This episode of Rick and Rick Rule the World is brought to you by Taskin, the first name in ultra-stylish, premium-quality travel gear, like the exquisitely designed Taskin One Expandable Backpack. With nine practical variations, the Taskin One is always the right size for wherever life takes you next. Save 30% on your next purchase when you use the promo code RNRTAKE30. That's RNRTAKE30 at TaskinSF.com. Next up on an all-new Rick and Rick. It's a December to remember the Rick's favorite movies of 2021. That's right. The Rick's round up each of their three favorite movies of the year so far. Plus the December release each is looking forward to seeing the most. Whether it's F9 or The Free Guy. Black Widow or James Bond. Spider-Man or The Suicide Squad. Malignant or Matrix Resurrection. We've got the Rick and Rick rewind and preview of the year in movies. And it all starts right here, right now. On the one show where everybody's on the lookout for old St. Rick. And everybody rules the world. Hey, welcome everyone to a special countdown of our official list of Rick Flicks for 2021. I'm Rick Matheson and I am joined, as always, by my good friend, Omar Sharif. I mean, Rick Wooden. How you doing, Rick? <laughs> I'm fantastic. Happy holidays. Oh uh, yeah, happy holidays. You know... It, it's definitely in full swing now. I think on uh, one of the previous shows, we were joking about how pretty much the day after Halloween, all of a sudden the Christmas stuff went up. But, you know, we're recording this here on the 5th of uh, December. So we're only, you know, three weeks away. So it, it's in full swing. And I'm, I'm seeing the malls packed. It, it's it's almost like COVID never happened. It's, it's kind of surprising. Yeah. I'm just waiting for my kid's cyber quad to get here. <laughs> I actually, did you see those? Yeah, apparently the kid's version of the cyber quad will be out before the real one. Yes. In fact, you can get your whole cyber squad, a cyber quad for about $1,900 a piece. And it's apparently delivery within a couple of weeks. That's amazing. Big difference from the cyber truck launch two years and one month ago and still no sign of that. Yeah. You know, I, I heard that they're pretty close to showing us the quote-unquote uh, release candidate version of it. And I, I don't know if you knew this, but the the one that they showed us originally, beso- besides all the, the craziness about it, the stainless steel panels and the bulletproof glass and all that that wasn't really steel ballproof, uh, <laughs> beyond all that, it was basically 15% too big, meaning that you know it was too big for garages, it was too big for roads, it was too big for everything. And so the next version that we're supposed to see, they, they had to shrink the whole thing 15%. Wow. So they got to put it in the dryer and leave it on just a little bit longer. Wow, that's crazy. I, I hadn't heard that. The one thing I did hear is uh, at the time, we joked about how it didn't have any rear view mirrors. And apparently the rear view mirrors, they're required to come with the truck, but they're removable just in case you want that cyber truck sleek look while you're driving. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so interesting. Anyway, in this special spoiler episode, just fair warning, of Rick and Rick Rule the World. We're counting down each of our top three movies of the year so far, plus the one December release we're looking forward to most. Now, as Rick mentioned, we're recording this episode in early December, and many of what would be in the before times, big tentpole films, have still yet to come out this year. A couple big ones. So we are going to hit rewind first on the movies that we have seen and our rankings thereof. So let's kick things off with number three. Go for it, Rick. You know, as I was going through this, I I went back through the list of what I've seen this year and and I saw actually quite a few movies. It felt like I only saw a couple movies, but when I went back and actually created the list, Jungle Cruise, Red Notice, Army of Thieves, Cage, The Suicide Squad, Black Widow, uh, Shang-Chi, Dune, Infinite, F9, Mortal Kombat, it ended up being actually quite a long list. And I, and I, what the reason it felt like 
it wasn't is because I missed a few key ones that I really wanted to see, like Venom and Free Guy and Nobody, No Time to Die, Wrath of Man, Finch and Snake Eye. So there was a there was definitely a key handful that I that I still missed. But wow, there was actually a lot of movies this year, and that. I don't know about you, but that really surprised me. Yeah. Well, I kind of had a similar experience. You know, I proposed this. I said, hey, let's do our top three movies of, of the year. And you said, okay. And then I thought, wait, I can't name more than three movies from the year. But <laughs> then as I went through, I saw, yeah, okay, there were a large number of them and I saw a lot of them. So, so that was problem number one. Problem number two is, as we always have, actually ranking them. My list could change just depending on my mood. Yeah. You know, I'm glad you said that because I was going to make the same uh, disclaimer. Like this is, you know, as of the recording of this show, these are my top three subject to change. Probably will tomorrow. We'll have to see. But for me, number three, number three was The Suicide Squad. It feels like a remake, but I guess it's an extension to the 2016 film. It had startlingly similar name, Suicide Squad versus The Suicide Squad. There's a, a group of super criminals that have the opportunity to, to shorten their sentence by uh, helping out Amanda Waller and stopping other, you know, supervillains, you know, destroying their, you know, of course, Harley Quinn, Bloodsport, King Shark, and, you know, the Ratcatcher. Uh, and, you know, this one takes them to the... Uh, the island of Corte Matisse, uh, where they have to to fight this super villain, this, this the guy called the Thinker, uh, who has a giant starfish, which is not to be confused with a butthole. Uh, and you know, anyways, the, the whole thing was awesome, and I I really enjoyed the first Suicide Squad. In fact, when my kids were home for Thanksgiving, I made them both watch the first one and then the second one because I thought the second one was so much better. For me, this was definitely had to be in my top three. I really enjoyed it. I felt like the uh, unsung hero was King Shark. I would not have uh, expected a superhero based on Sylvester Stallone trying to play an idiot would be hilarious, but it had me in stitches most of the way through. So I uh, highly recommend this one. Now I'm curious. So what your family said, did they like the new one better than the old one or they just same vibe? I think it was a little complicated. I didn't get the validation that I was looking for, but it was still there. <laughs> now, you now, you know, you I love Easter eggs and there was a ton in this and I had to, you know, go back and research them and uh, Buzzfeed had a great article on this. But um, one of the the ones I thought was really cool is uh, John Destronder, who was one of the creators of the Suicide Squad. And, you know, most notably, he created the character of Amanda Waller. Uh, he actually was the doctor in there that was implanting the bomb into people's nice. heads, which I thought that was cool. That's did you cool. did you know that? No, I did not. That's super cool. Now, would you would you think of this? I know you saw it as well. Uh, yeah, I can barely remember the first one. I, this one I really enjoyed quite a bit. King Shark was definitely an unexpected highlight of the movie. I mean, he stole every mm-hmm. scene he was in. John Santa's Peacemaker and Elder Selva. Oh, he, and he's awesome. A lot of people, I guess, have lobbied for him to be the next James Bond. And someone found an, a man on the street interviews with people who've just seen a movie and they're saying how much they love it. Well, he's in one of James Bond back in the uh, early 90s. Oh, cool. But anyway, you know, as a DC Comics geek growing up, I loved to see Starro. That was the first live action version of that villain. And the humor, the action, everything was just fantastic. In fact, it almost made my top three. Yeah. You know, what else really worked with that movie too is it opened a lot like a big budget version of the boys. I mean, it had that kind of vibe, yeah. but they somehow made you give a damn about the characters as they went through this. Yeah. They did a, just a really good job of humanizing these really nutty characters. 
All right, well, my number three movie is Marvel's Black Widow. It's probably my second favorite MCU film behind The Winter Soldier. It's got, of course, Scarlett Johansson as Natasha Romanoff, aka the Avenger known as Black Widow. And it includes Florence Pugh stealing every single scene that she's in as Natasha's little sister, Yelena. It's got David Harbour from Stranger Things as Alexei, the Russian super soldier known as Red Guardian, and Daniel Craig, so James Bond's real-life wife, Rachel Weitz as super spy Milena Vostokov as the original Black Widow in the most comics accurate uniform for Black Widow that we've seen in these movies. Total blast. It kind of tells her backstory, how she uh, you know, came to be, how she fought the villain who had created an army of Black Widows. And so this movie is about how she took him down with the aid of her sister. And kind of cool how we see Yelena sort of set the stage as becoming uh, what I took it to be as Natasha's replacement on the Avengers at some point. I love this movie. You know, this uh, this didn't make my top three, but it was one that I really enjoyed. And I I, I waffled back and forth. It was definitely my number four. Um, but this uh, this movie was a lot of fun. I, I I really enjoyed how they put it together. I enjoyed, you know, because this is this is a character we've seen a number of times in the different um, MCU stories. And so, like, for them to finally get around and actually make it, uh, you know, a focused, you know, movie was, was amazing. And I really yeah. My understanding is Yelena is in the uh, Disney Plus series Hawkeye she's appearing in. I don't know if she's oh. been in episodes yet, but uh, that's almost enough to uh, make me want to watch it. The actress, so uh, Florence Pugh, she's she's been in a number of movies, but I first saw her a couple years ago. And, and folks, if, if you have not seen this movie, don't. You don't want to watch the movie I'm going to talk about next. But if you can bear the first 15 minutes of it, it's the movie Midsummer. The first, I'd say, 15 minutes of it, you meet the character she's playing and the entire 15 minutes is her reaction to something terrible. If I remember correctly, she's on the phone. So she's acting against nothing and you're just blown away. Watched and I was like, okay, whoever this is, is going to be a major star sometime. Then the next time I saw her was in the um, Father of the Bride part three-ish. And you see a totally different, you know, very lighthearted side of her in a very different character. Awesome. And then I started watching Black Widow. I was like, wait, is that? And then I checked it out and it was. And, and she's just so fantastic. But you get, if you saw these other two movies, you would appreciate how well she underplays Yelena in this, you know, those sort of blank exactly. face and how she's always sort of making fun of Natasha and her Avengers move. And you know, if she becomes her replacement at some point in an upcoming Avengers movie, she will nail a landing like Natasha and do the <laughs> same exact move. And it'll be a very different victorious moment for her in memory of, of Natasha. It's funny. In fact, the, the scene where they're all in Russia, they've gotten David Harbour's character out of prison and made their way to Rachel Weitz's character's home in Russia where she's using Neuralinks on pigs to control them and they have a family dinner but they never were actually family members and yet it was one of the most real family dinner scenes in a movie that I've ever seen before because they were they knew that they all played characters but it meant something to Elena and it meant something to all of them and in a way they were a family even though they were posing as a family as spies and then the climax I mean it was I don't know there's probably more than one single point of failure in this they were once again bringing down a flying fortress in a Marvel movie but uh, I don't know this one just worked for me on a lot of different levels I thought it was well directed great pacing great writing great acting everything I just loved it 